Hey, what's up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall, your host here on another edition of Medical Association of Georgia's award-winning Top Docs radio show. Uh, today, we're going to be getting into adverse childhood experiences, early brain development, and how resilient Georgia is helping people contend with and prevent long-term effects of toxic stress. Uh, with over 8,000 members in every specialty and practice setting, MAG is the leading voice for physicians in Georgia. Go to mag.org if you are a physician in Georgia and would like to... Uh, join Medical Association of Georgia as a member. Our special thanks to Alliant Health Solutions for their support as a sponsor making today's show possible. And today I'm very pleased to have with me in the studio Dr. Brenda Fitzgerald. Hello, so good to be here. I'm so pleased to have you here. Uh, Dr. Fitzgerald is the Executive Chair of Resilient Georgia. She served as the Director of the CVC CDC, Administrator of the Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry, and Commissioner for the Georgia Department of Public Health. It's also worth noting that Dr. Fitzgerald is a board-certified OBGYN who practiced medicine for 30 years. I'm pleased to have you back in the studio. It's wonderful to be here. Well, I know that you did a lot of work on early brain development and toxic stress. Talk about how you got involved with this initiative. I'll be glad to. It was while I was um, commissioner of the Georgia Department of Public Health. And it first came to my attention how early experiences were important when we were working with deaf children. The Department of Public Health um, is over some a lot of the programs that look at deaf children. And one of them is identifying how quickly deaf children get identified as deaf and get into some sort of remedial action. Um, and it was our responsibility to follow that. Um, and it was obvious that uh, deaf children were not getting identified early enough. Um, and from that came a study of looking at what effects did that have. Um, and I came across some really interesting research uh, that really changed what we did with the Department of Public Health. Um, and it's a bit long-winded, uh, but it was back when um, Head Start was first being talked about. And we knew as a country that early childhood experiences were important, that the early interactions with education was important. Um, but we weren't getting exactly, we thought that Head Start would fix it. We thought by just doing Universal Kindergarten that we would have this done. It would be a no, no problem. And that wasn't true. So there were a couple of researchers, and they were Hart and Reasley, who decided to look at, to do an observational study. Um, and so they went into homes. Now, it was a limited number. It was 47 homes. But the study was intensive. They went once a month, and they just sat there for an hour and watched what was going on. So the question was, if kindergarten's not enough, is there something else going on that maybe is important? And what they found out was, one, the children being cared for. So the differences in children didn't have to be with were they being fed or their diapers changed. Um, it had to do with the amount, the number of words that children were exposed to. Hmm. Children, between the children who would end up having problems and the children who did really well, there was a 30 million word difference in the first three years of life, was their estimate. 
Yes. Interesting. And it had to do with stimulation. Um, and the interesting thing is um, that the stimulation, just sitting a child in front of a TV doesn't do it. So just hearing words doesn't do it. It's the interaction. Like you and I are looking in, in mm -hmm. each other's eyes right now. That interaction between caretaker, mother, father, child, grandmother, child, is what does it. Um, and that interaction is what actually causes physical stimulation of neurons in the brain that makes a child capable of learning. You can tell by the number of words at three years of age that a child knows to what he will do directly related to what they'll do at third grade. Third grade is where the measurement occurs where to tell if a child is going to read or not. And from that third grade number, you can predict, for example, if a child's not on level at third grade, there's a six times greater chance he won't graduate from high school. So all of this early, early experience is absolutely directly linked. So for deaf children, thank you, which is the verb, the physical way you say thank you, is the same language stimulation as thank you is to us. Okay. So that association, when we first started, the reason children weren't, the deaf children were behind, it was because they weren't being identified early enough. Because at six months of age, you can begin to tell the difference. Hmm. So I'll stop for questions, because I've been talking a while. No, no, it's, it's very interesting that they would pick up on such a, I don't know if you want to call it a biomarker, but mm -hmm. um, it, it is, is that the kind of thing where that deficit now cannot be made up, if you will? I mean, I can begin to have better interaction, and I'm sure that has obviously value to it right. that's positive. Absolutely. But are you saying that the effect of that is essentially like a, a scar, if you will? It's a permanent damage, if you will. Um, there's a good news and bad news answer to that. Um, the, the good news is that the brain's resilient. So there's a lot of times that things can be made up. And that's one of the reasons we talk about resilient Georgia right now. Um, because we, we know that there are things that can be done. So that's the good news. The biologic news is that if, when you first hear, when you're a child and you first hear a word, if that word is repeated, that neuron is again stimulated. If it is not repeated, there's a certain thing called pruning, and that is that neuron no longer grows. So you can see by brain scans the difference in children who have been stimulated and the difference in children who have not. Some of the most dramatic things I've ever seen have looking at, are looking at children who have been in institutions and did not have that one-on-one -on -one stimulation so much. There's a physical difference in their brain. The scans were done at age 10. There's a physical difference in their brain by age 10 that's very difficult to overcome. Wow. So the answer is there's plasticity and there's hope. But also it means that the earlier you interact, the better off you are. So when we talk like Resilient Georgia, we're talking about 
and I know you had Dr. Sununu on, mm -hmm. uh, who's wonderful, and we're talking about if things happen in this early part where there is this dramatic brain development, um, it's, it's very, very important. Talk about some of those long-term effects on our health that this can set in motion. You mentioned Dr. Sonu and that great episode that we did two or three weeks ago around adverse childhood experiences. Talk about some of those long-term effects that this, I mean, clearly it affects my learning, right. which can affect my my economic opportunity, Absolutely. I guess, and experience in my Absolutely. life. So, But just from a health perspective, it sounds like there's some impacts on that as well. Obviously, self-care comes into play for diabetes, Absolutely. obesity, Absolutely. Like depression. Absolutely. And I know he talked to you about the original work that was done by the CDC and Kaiser. Uh, and this was looking at a large group of people. And the interesting thing about these were insured people. These were people in Kaiser. So these were people that were not in the most reduced circumstances. And they found still that in that group there were a large number who had adverse childhood events. And those adverse childhood events, to, to sort of refresh your memory, are in three categories. One, abuse. Physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. Two, neglect. And neglect has to do with the ones I was talking to you about children who were in, you know, poorly run institutionalized care um, or neglect by the parent. Um, and the third has to do with household challenges. Um, if you're in a household uh, where there's substance abuse, you're in a household where there's violence um, or even divorce, uh, those all come. And one of the links that we provide for you, which I think would be interesting for everybody to see, is you can take your own ACEs score. I mean, it's really pretty straightforward mm. and see exactly what it is. And the Kaiser study showed that there was a direct relationship between the number of bad things that happened and what happened to your life later on. If there were six or more adverse events, there was a 20-year difference in life expectancy. If there were four, is definitely when it starts to become problematic. Diabetes goes up, cancer goes up, um, virtually everything goes up. In the Center for the De Developing Child, the Harvard Center for the Developing Child, they have looked at the biologic reason for that. And it has to do with the stress hormones. It has to do with the, you can measure the stress markers, just like you can measure a stress marker that leads to hypertension though, or, or cardiac disease. Those same markers are in those children who have adverse events. So we think that's the mechanism of action. Interesting. It's an a, almost it's an inflammatory type it's response. It's an inflammatory response. Very intriguing. Uh, talk a little bit more about. We, we've been discussing resilient Georgia, obviously, and its its efforts to try to help put resources in place. Talk about who's involved with resilient Georgia a little more deeply, and you know its overarching mission. And if uh, are the resources you're still looking for? Absolutely. Um, well, one, when we uh, first identified the importance of the early brain development, um, we in Georgia started something called Talk With Me Baby. And it was the notion that if you inform parents that what's most important is talking to their baby, that physical interchange for brain development, that if parents know that, they'll do it. Right. Um, interestingly enough, um, one of the people that was around um, on the governor's staff um, when I was um, 
when I was commissioner, um, had a child born who was deaf, and she knew about this stuff. So she had, she was, she had a schedule. This was where your child's going to be stimulated, and her mother, my one of my friends who's an OBGYN was babysitting for this child when I was over there and my friend the OBGYN said you know I thought I was a pretty good babysitter but here's my schedule <laughs> so that whole business of if parents are informed they will do something um, and so that really is going pretty well. That well is going well in Georgia. There's there's work, for example, at Grady Hospital, um, where every single person that comes in contact with a child encourages that kind of information. Like the person that greets the mother at uh, OB Clinic says, "Hi, and how are you doing today?" You know, to to encourage that talking. So part of the resilient Georgia was a notion that we could use specific concentration on looking at those times when something has gone wrong. So we, but, but use the same model where you have a huge public-private partnership so that everybody that comes in, in contact with that child is one aware of the problem so you can identify early because with that brain development, the earlier you identify, the earlier you can correct, and the more likely you are to have success. So we became, uh, I was approached um, by Lynn Patello um, uh, and Bonnie Harden, who are very prominent in the Georgia um, private organizations that are funders. That are there. They were, they had amassed 20 groups, 20 funders who were interested in doing something about this issue. But they said, what we want to know is what should we really do? Mm -hmm. How can we use our funds to get the most, right. most you know, results? Um, so they approached me and I was very honored. Um, and um, so I asked, we hired a, a wonderful uh, person, Dr. Emily Ann Ball, um, who had been involved with, who had been at Public Health, head of the, the Georgia's Obesity Initiative, so she knew how to do public-private partnerships, and she was good at it. She understood that if you bring the academic community in as a partner at the beginning, you get research that that you wouldn't, that may not, wouldn't have occurred. So we, um, so a, a uh, 4013C was established. So right now there are the 20 major funders. Um, there is a board um, that represents a wide variety of people. Uh, Department of Education, for example, uh, Children's Health Care. There are 120 different partners who we've brought together who said, this is part of our mission. We think we can be part of this solution. Um, and Resilient Georgia's job is to help foster that public-private partnership. So we are committed to, one, finding out what other states are doing. We're well underway for that. Um, because if other states are out there that are doing some brilliant things, we certainly want sure. to use that. Um, I can tell you that no state has figured it out yet. Yeah. So there's work to be done. But two, to bring all the partners together, because when partners are, are talking about 
about the same problem. One, we can coordinate efforts, and two, we can use our mutual, our different experiences to get exponential growth, which is really what we need to do if we're going to have a, a system-wide change. When you look at young people, I mean, based on all the work you all have been doing at Resilient Georgia, I mean, what, what is your perspective on how to make those young people a little more resilient in the face of some some stressors that may be on the low end of the continuum of severity and some of them pretty impressive right. in, in terms of how bad they are and what they're dealing with? Right. How do you make them better equipped to handle that? Well, a couple things. There have been some interesting things. There's a, there's a study done, um, and Georgia has participated for the past two years. It's called Briefus, um, and it's a behavioral risk survey that's done every two years in Georgia. And for the last two years, um, Georgia has participated in ACEs questions on that. So we know in Georgia uh, for one year, which was 2016, and the 2018 data is being finalized right now and should be available in a month or two. But we know the number of children who have uh, adverse events in Georgia. Um, and it is, it is uh, I believe it's 67% have at least one. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is 17% have four or more. So is this something kind of in line with like a PHQ-2, PHQ-9 survey yes. set of questions that yes. have some strong predictive? Yes. Yeah. that has some strong predictive um, value. And there are some, one of the things we've discovered is there are some states who are, they call it hope, and basically it is is health promoting uh, behavioral experiences. And they have discovered that when you measure not only the risk, but the positive things, you will get a better predictor of how many children in your community are at risk. So that one speaks to positive things do matter and can make a difference. But the other thing too is Resilient Georgia is committed to educating again, just like the Talk With Me Baby, educating everybody who comes in contact with a child about the possibility of adverse events because the earlier you interact, quite frankly, you don't need to be a psychiatrist to be able to help if you're a child care worker. But you do need information and you do need to be able to intervene on that level. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. How are you approaching the, the physician and allied clinicians you know, around the state to try to accomplish greater awareness of this so they can kind of begin to incorporate this into both interview and decision making? Right. Two ways. Uh, one, all, all the good guys, you know, um, the American Academy of, of, of um, the Georgia, uh, the, American, the Georgia chapter of the American Academy of Pediatricians, um, all our medical schools, uh, they're already involved. Um, and the first thing is this, one, getting general information out there. Two, we have, um, we have training sessions planned for both existing docs uh, and what questions to ask um, and also docs coming up in the medical schools. So one is the information. And then two is what you can do about it. And then this is the important thing from the physician perspective. We're looking at ways that we can expand using a hub and spoke model. We can expand the ability for people all over the state to access the resources they need. 
I mean, clearly those, as Commissioner of Public Health, I can tell you, in South Georgia, there's not a child psychiatrist on every corner. Right. Uh, there may not be one in several counties. Mm -hmm. um, so we're looking, um, Lucky Jane, um, who is a head of, pedi of pediatrics at Emory, is looking at, and we're working with, with Emory, we're working with Mercer, on how we can use our trained psychiatrist in a hub and spoke model where somebody who doesn't have as much training but is there for example, there's a public health department in every single county in this state. So there's somebody there who has some sort of training. And how we can use that model to amplify the number of resources. Because in talking to practicing pediatricians, pediatricians can say, you know, I know something's going on. I mean, I can tell something's going on. Um, and you can give me some new questions to ask, but I already knew something was going on, but now what do I do? Mm -hmm. So Resilient Georgia is absolutely dedicated to one, analyzing our resources here in Georgia, maximizing the resources that we have, and coming up with innovative new ways, telehealth for example, the hub and spoke model, so that we maximize the number of resources that practicing docs have to refer people that they know are in trouble. Would Do you have some information about like if I want to try to do some self-learning myself, are, are there some good websites or maybe resources I can check out that might absolutely note up a little bit? Absolutely. And we will give you all of those links. Resilient Georgia, the other thing that we're committed to is that we're committed to making those resources easily available. So there are some, there are some um, education opportunities that are already present. We're going to work on more and make sure, quite frankly, that you get CME credit for those. Uh, because, I mean, right. as a busy doc, you know, you, you, you need to get your see me credit um, but yes we go to our resilient Georgia website and we can share all those resources that we have with you well I know they keep you busy with all this work or do you have final thoughts before I let you get back the rest of your afternoon well I really appreciate that um, you having me here I think the fact that we are sharing this information and the importance of it and the long-term effects of it um, most of us probably all of us went into medicine so we could do good um, and this is a this is something that we can do in our everyday practice in our everyday interaction and I think it could have a transformational change for Georgia I really appreciate you joining me in the studio again today thank you well I look forward to talking to you more so we can kind of get into you know as this really begins to get deployed maybe we can talk a little bit about what's happening through, through its efforts anytime and clearly this is a topic that's going to have impacts on many people i'm sure that you know that you care about so we hope you'll turn around and click share on the episode after you've checked us out today uh, make sure you link up with mag on facebook and twitter and um, remember you can get all the previous episodes of top docs radio show that we've done here with medical association of georgia at mag.org slash top docs um, want to say a very special thank you again to align health solutions for their support making the show possible and from everybody at mag thank you for making us part of your day we'll see you next time